So really what I tell people is if you can't find something in 30 seconds or less, it's in the wrong place. And there's your red flag to say, wow, I need a little more organization here. Hello and welcome to Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. We are so glad you're here. I'm Jill Farmer, lead coach at Doc Working. And today we're going to be talking about quick ways for you to get organized in the new year. And for this conversation, we brought in one of the best, an expert on organization. Jody Granock is an MSW, a professional organizer, productivity consultant, and speaker. In 2008, she created Organizing Magic, a professional organizing company that works with overwhelmed people, just like all of our physician listeners, to get homes, offices, and lives organized. She is also very active in the National Association of Professional Organizers. She's considered a leading expert in her field on this work, and I'm excited to talk to you about it today. And just a reminder for our listeners, this episode is being brought to you by Doc Working Thrive, our subscription coaching program just for physicians. We have coaching support and physician peer support for you. So go to docworking.com right now to check it out. Jody, thank you for being with us here today to talk about some quick and easy ways that we can keep resolutions for getting more organized. Thanks for having me, Jill. And so for somebody who's, you know, at that point where they feel like, gosh, I've been meaning to do this for a long time, where's a place that our physician listeners can start if they are feeling like life is chaotic at home and things are not organized in a way that helps them experience ease and flow in their daily life? So thanks for that question. A lot of my clients that I work with, I do work with them in their homes or small business owners. And I always say, start with what's bothering you the most. So you can make a list of the different areas in your home or your office that are bothering you, but then prioritize it to say, what area, if I did this today, would give me the biggest bang for my buck? You know, sometimes people will say, oh, it's my kitchen and my bedroom and my basement. But really, the basement may not be high on the list because we're not hanging out, let's say, in the basement where the storage bins are, right? But we are spending time in our kitchen every day. So hone in on what is causing you the greatest stress. And that's a good place to start. And so if, for instance, as I hear from a lot of my clients, the kitchen has become the catch-all space. You walk in and there's stuff piled everywhere. There's forms that need to be filled out for kids' camps and mail and bills to be paid and projects that haven't been completed and broken pieces of things. And I just feel overwhelmed when I walk into that kind of chaos. Even if I'm starting in the kitchen, how do I decide where to start there? Right. So again, a kitchen is a really big area, especially if we're using it as a command center and, you know, the place where people do their work or homework and we're eating all those things. So again, even when you've picked an area, you may have to go now down a step and say, okay, what part of the kitchen is really the most problematic? If it's paperwork, great. Let's figure out a system for organizing the paperwork. If it's that we can't find the utensils we need, maybe we need to go through the drawers. If we can't have any room to cook, maybe we need to figure out, do we need to keep everything here on the counter or should we be putting some things away? And if we can't put them away, maybe it's time to go through the cabinets and organize that. So lots of options depending on what your real issue is, top of the list. One of the things I saw you say and send out as a reminder recently that was like, oh yeah, this is really a light bulb moment for me is that 
everything needs a home, a specific place where it's kept quickly and easily. And the example that that brought up for me is a conversation that we've had actually on the podcast previously with Dr. Jen Barna, CEO and founder of Doc Working, and through some of the coaching conversations and things she was listening to, it dawned on her that one of the things that takes a lot of time in her day every day was searching for her keys. It was just part of life that she accepted. I always was like, where are my keys? Where are my keys? And all of a sudden she was like, if I just put a little hook right by the back door and my keys are on it, I am getting lots of time back in my life and eradicating frustration and just this chaotic mindset that was happening every time she was trying to leave and looking for the keys. And as simple as that sounds, there are a lot of places in our lives, a lot of time, if we would just slow down and take the time that if we would get better at finding a home for our frequently used items, it would really lower our stress. Can you talk more about that? Yes. And she is so on the mark. So good job. I have a hook as well. And it is right across the wall from when I walk in the door. So we have a peg with the hook, and that's where my keys go. So really what I tell people is if you can't find something in 30 seconds or less, it's in the wrong place. And there's your red flag to say, wow, I need a little more organization here. So you might be thinking, well, how do I make a home for my stuff? All my stuff is in my home right now. But you're looking for those designated places where you're storing it, where you use it. You know, some of them are pretty obvious. We're not going to keep the remote control in the refrigerator. And we're not going to keep the blender in the bathroom. But sometimes we have to obviously get more specific. So not only should we store it where we use it, but we want to store it based on the frequency. And that's what trips a lot of people up. So think about your desk, right? We use our stapler all the time. It wouldn't make sense to store it in a drawer. It makes sense to keep it right on top because we use it all the time. But let's say you have a file that you only look at on a quarterly basis. That probably shouldn't be on top of your desk because you don't use it as much and it's taking away that prime real estate. So when you're thinking about where a home should be, it's the two-edged sword of, I'm going to store it where I use it, but I'm also going to base it on frequency. So in a kitchen, for example, the glasses, you know, the drinking glasses that we only use when company comes over, one day company, remember that? That might be kept high up on a cabinet shelf because we don't use it all the time. But something we use all the time, like certain kitchen utensils, we can even have those on the counter in a caddy utensil. So we just want to make it simple and easy to retrieve things and to put them away. I love also, this was another little light bulb moment when you talked about like storing things where you use them, for example, keeping stamps and envelopes with my checkbook and calculator. Because I will do this thing where it's like, I'm getting organized, but I inadvertently segment things out into different parts of the office or even, you know, sometimes different parts of the house, even though every time I am, you know, writing the few people that I still write checks to, to pay my bills, there are a few out there, I need an envelope and stamps in order to make that happen. And so it is a funny thing that we do sometimes that we don't take a second to pause at exactly how we're doing things and how we're using things. And we make life a little harder for ourselves when we put stuff away in a place that it's not easy to get to. Not only do we want to save the time by having it all together, but we want to avoid the distraction of if I go to look for the stamps, what if I get caught up in something else in the house? Mm -hmm. Get that a lot from clients where they started one project, got distracted, putting something where it really goes. And so when someone is organizing in an area, I always tell them, stay put until you're done because otherwise it's really easy to get distracted. So if you ever watched one of those good organizing shows in the past, not the scary ones, 
But the ones that talk about how you have a keep pile and a donator giveaway pile and a trash pile, they never talked about you should have a this goes somewhere else pile. So if I'm doing a kitchen junk drawer and I find my daughter's hairbrush and I know it goes upstairs, I'm not going to take it upstairs right away and potentially get distracted. I'm just going to put it off to the side and finish the project I'm on. And then I can return the wayward items. And if it inspires me to do another project, if I have the time, great. And if not, I've identified what my next project will be. But at least I know that I started and finished a project. And one of the other tips that you give when it comes to organizing a space like a junk drawer or, you know, in some people's cases, the five junk drawers that have suddenly emerged in their kitchens is you say, don't just go through one item at a time in the drawer. You say, take everything out of that Mm -hmm. junk drawer so it's completely empty and then organize from there. Why do you recommend that? That is so critical. I know it can be overwhelming for people to say, oh, do I have to? But unless you can see everything you have, you're not going to make purposeful choices. I've been to kitchens before where I found multiple bottles of olive oil, balsamic vinegar, you know, expensive items, all in use because they were in different places in the kitchen because someone wasn't looking, right? So if we were to organize one cabinet at a time, we might've missed that as well. So it's really important to take everything out. If you're doing your kids' toys, bring them all to one room. It doesn't mean that they have to stay in the room when you're done. They could be dispersed through the house, but you need a complete inventory to see what you're dealing with. Otherwise you're gonna miss if you have things in duplication or maybe even multiplication. And when you find that you have too many of something that you didn't want, like 12 spatulas, now you can look at them critically and say, well, how many do I really need? Which one is my favorite? You know, which one is kind of chewed up by the garbage disposal? Yeah, I just had this conversation with a physician client. She had hired, at my recommendation, very, very busy, overwhelmed person, a professional organizer. And she said, what I realized is my version of organization was really just moving the same darn stuff around. And I needed help really reducing the access that was there so that I had easier access and more efficiency to get to the things that really mattered to me. And I thought that was, you know, a powerful observation about getting, you know, that extra pair of eyes in to help with that process. It could also help you realize that you've moved on from something, you know, our interests change. So we could be going through our closet and realize I don't have to dress up as professionally as I used to. We have more casual days, but realizing that if you've gotten over certain interests, maybe you're not interested in needlework anymore or painting, that's taking up space that you don't need anymore. And wouldn't it be great to have space for a new interest or hobby? So one of the things I hear from my physician clients a lot is, gosh, I'm really good at surgery or at, you know, patient care, solving healthcare dilemmas. Why is it so hard for me to get my house organized? I'm embarrassed by just how disorganized I am at home or how much chaos there seems to be there. Why as a professional organizer who's been doing this for a long time now, do you think it is so common? You know, it's not universal among all physicians, but I know a lot of physicians listening to this are relating for people who are so brilliant and excellent at this level of work to have a hard time getting themselves organized at home? That's a great question. I think it's a couple of things. One is I think it's hard to prioritize things for yourself, especially when you're in a field where you're really trying to take care of other people. 
but we do need to take care of ourselves. We need to schedule time with ourselves. We're really good, I think, all of us at scheduling appointments for ourselves or other family members and honoring those. We put them in our phone or our calendar, but we don't put in our own calendar, hey, I'm going to spend an hour tackling this project. So that's one part of it is we need to prioritize our own needs, right? Put your own oxygen mask on first. But also, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed by the scope of a project. And they think to themselves, well, if I don't have time to get through the entire project all in one sitting, then I have to wait until I have time for that. And the truth is, most of us don't have the time for that. So even though I talk about, you know, if you're going to do a project, you're going to take everything out, but you want to scale it to what you have time for. So for a lot of people, I say it's not about finishing the project, it's about starting. Instead of thinking, I have to overhaul this whole kitchen, well, let's break it down. Let's take one afternoon and let's work on the pantry. Let's take another afternoon and look at just all the drawers. And another time we can look at the cabinets. We don't have to do it all in one day. And of course, we can always bring in friends, family members, or professionals to help cut down on the amount of time that it takes to do an organizing project. But one thing I would say that the physicians out there may struggle with is the paperwork and the emails. And that is definitely something that you can say, I don't have to do this all in one day. I'm going to set a timer for 15 or 20 minutes, and I'm just going to chip away at this because it does add up over time and you will see a difference. Yeah, I think that's part of it is people can be really good at scheduling their time at work and often ever decreasing amount of time allowed for each individual patient or you know that kind of scheduling is set. And so there's this idea that at home, I'll just spontaneously get to all the things that need to happen at home. So I think you've just given us some really good key actionable items in what you just said. One is you do have to set aside the time. You don't have to set aside an entire day if that sounds exhausting and overwhelming, but maybe an hour on a weekend day to just really target. And then secondly, you say target a specific area that you want to kind of see a beginning, middle and end with. So make it be the pantry or the junk drawer or a section of your desk in the office so that it's a place where you can get in and see a beginning and a middle and an end to it as well. And let's talk about what the results are, right? People have this desire to get more organized, but then just kind of spin their wheels if they don't take that intentional action for setting aside the time. What's the results you see from either your physician clients or other busy professional clients when they do get to that place where everything does have a home and they feel like there's less chaos and more organization at home? What do they report back to you? Well, there is definitely a positive snowball effect. Snowball effects do not have to just be negative. When you think about a rolling snowball turning into an avalanche, right? It could be that one project leads to another. So you may feel like, oh, wow, I did this corner of the kitchen and I sort of feel good about it, but it's just a corner, but it motivates you. You come downstairs the next day and you see it and go, wow, look what I did. And now something else is going to go like this and wave at you. Something else is going to stick out. So I always tell people, go with the thing that bothers you the most. And as soon as you organize that, it gives you a lift, but then someone else will rear their head and say, my turn, my turn. And so it can really motivate you to keep going, but it also can have a really positive effect on other people in the home. I've had many clients tell me that, for example, their partner went and organized their closet, even though I wasn't there, right? Just by seeing that I had worked with their spouse on their closet. 
I've had clients, and this was actually a physician that told me this. We worked on her six-year-old daughter's closet while she was at school. And the mom was really excited. She's a busy physician. And she said, now I don't, you know, dread putting the laundry away because now I can put the laundry away. But then she told me a couple of weeks later, my daughter came home from school and she got the award for the neatest desk. And she had arranged her desk by grouping like things together, just like she had seen in her closet. And the mom reported to me, my daughter was able to independently get dressed every morning because now she could access her own clothes. So there's definitely that effect that it can spread through the household and then people are motivated to help you keep it organized and keep going with their own projects. Yeah, that's great. And as you said, to start just even one junk drawer at a time, it can create some momentum and stop that feeling of overwhelm or shame, embarrassment, the reason that we sort of avoid or procrastinate getting through these projects. Now, if you're somebody who notices that you've been meaning to get around to organizational projects for years and you haven't, I strongly recommend to a lot of my physician clients to look into hiring a professional organizer. Every single person that I've ever recommended that has done it says, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this sooner because it can be, talk about the snowball effect that really gets things rolling in a way that creates more motivation and it can create kind of a nice blank slate where it's much easier to maintain over time. So that's my plug for considering that as well. Jody, any other final thoughts for us? I would say, you know, don't be afraid to take that first step. There's lots of professional organizers throughout the country. One thing you can do is go to NAPO's website, napo.net, and you can look up an organizer in your geographical area. That being said, there are other organizers like myself who not only do in-person organizing, but do virtual organizing. So if you're able to get on Zoom, which I think you all are, you could work with me no matter where you live. There's lots of great resources out there. Lots of organizers have newsletters and I have a free class once a month. So you can go to my website and sign up for that class. It's free and it's in the evening. So it's easy for most people to make it. Yes. And your website for everybody is organizingmagic.com. So I hope you guys will all check that out. Those free resources, use it as an inspiration. All the other tips and ideas she had, I hope you'll go out and feel inspired to have a quick win for yourself by taking on one project in an area of greatest dissatisfaction for you that you can shift that into a space that is more functional and brings you more peace and freedom as you're doing the important work you're doing in the world. Jody Granock, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks to all of you for tuning in for this meaningful conversation. As always, we love having you here. And don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by Doc Working Thrive. Go to docworking.com to learn all about our subscription coaching program. It's just a really great program, and we hope you'll check it out at docworking.com. Check out Docworking Thrive. Until next time, I'm Jill Farmer. I'm Amanda Taran, producer of Doc Working, the Whole Physician podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and head over to DocWorking.com to see all we have to offer.